It's Wednesday, August 25th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, the one and only Bill Mann. Thanks for being here. Hey, Chris, how are you? I am good because we have two radically different retail <laughs> stocks we are going to get to. But we're going we're gonna to start big macro. Uh, SEC Chairman Gary Gensler said the SEC is going to demand that Chinese companies trading in U.S. markets do a better job of telling investors about political and regulatory risks. Gensler said he envisions this starting early next year in companies' annual reports. I have a couple of questions. I guess my first is, do you envision this starting next year? I actually do this th- this actually there there have been a lot of disagreements obviously between US regulators and the Chinese government and the Communist Party about what type of information Chinese companies should have to share oddly in this case the Chinese have have have, have agreed and are at least saying they're going to be supportive this all fell out of when DD went public in the US and then almost immediately the Chinese government put really really heavy sanctions on on DD and so I think this is an area uh, one of the few areas where you're going to see some cooperation between the two countries so I shouldn't read anything into the fact that shares of large Chinese companies like Alibaba and Baidu and Tencent Music are down a bit today on a a day in which the S&P 500 is hitting yet another all-time high. You shouldn't, and at least partially because uh, yesterday, probably on the news of Kathy Wood buying certain Chinese companies, all of the Chinese, the big Chinese companies had tremendous days. JD.com was up 14%. Alibaba was up huge. All of these companies were up huge yesterday. So I don't really think that this is... uh, Particularly because the, uh, the the Chinese government has said that this is something that they are interested in cooperating on. I don't think that this is that, that this is a huge news. It's not it's not a nothing burger. I actually think that this is a sign to a path for more cooperation in other areas as it pertains to Chinese companies, both being currently listed and new listings in the US, because there's still a lot that has to be agreed upon before Chinese companies are allowed to IPO in the US anymore. And this doesn't have quite as much to do with that. But this is an area of agreement. And I, as an optimist, am looking for some momentum from this to solve other issues. It does seem like the sort of thing that, uh, look, it's not a cure-all, but I think that if this goes through, this is a step in the direction, not just for more transparency, but also for easing the concerns of some percentage of U.S. investors who look at businesses in China and say, yeah, I'm interested, it's a compelling business, but... I'm not getting the transparency that I'm getting with U.S. companies, and so therefore uh, they they're on my watch list, but they remain on my watch list. Something like this goes through. Uh, I could see it providing um, uh, more people to you know opportunities to click the buy button. 
Maybe. Uh, we, you know, even as our resident internationalist, I have long said that you would be just fine as an American investor never owning a Chinese stock. And if you do want to own Chinese companies, my best advice is just to play the hits, find the companies that are most deeply aligned and ingrained with the government of China, which may feel distasteful, but it is. I mean, there, there's, there's a reason why you want to be investing with China and not in China. Uh, this is an area of potential cooperation, and and Chinese companies have been treated as they are special uh, by American regulators and the exchanges, and it the the status quo right now is not going to be in place five years from now. Either the Chinese companies will have been removed from the market, which I don't think benefits anybody, or you know they're going to stand down go to you know defcon 3 and you know and come to some uh, come come to some agreement in between them how to operate going forward let's move on to the stock of the day which is dick sporting goods second quarter sales were up 21% they raised guidance for the full fiscal year and shares of dick sporting goods up more than 15% hitting a new all time high this i don't know if a, a little bit of what we're seeing is uh, short interest uh, running for the exit signs, but um, holy cow, this was uh, this was a great report. This was a great report, and this is a company that a friend of mine mentioned to me last April when it was about twenty five dollars a share. So just to let you know, <laughs> we accidentally let fat pitches slide by from time to time to time as well. I think, Chris, I'm going to point to something that's that that may seem a little bit weird, but I think is really, really illustrative. And it's this, their e-commerce sales were down 28% from the second quarter of 2020, which sounds terrible. But then you realize the second quarter of 2020, most of the Dick's stores, the physical stores were closed. So if you did business with Dick's, you were doing it through an e-commerce channel. So the fact a year later that it's only down by 28%, which means they have literally opened up a brand new channel and it sticks. It's, it is astounding to me. It's up more than double from the same quarter in 2019. But I thought that was absolutely fascinating. They also announced a special dividend, $5.50. They're raising their statutory dividend. Uh, couldn't get much better for them. It really couldn't. It really couldn't. And, and this is a business that, um, you know, for a few years before the pandemic, was investing in their stores, was investing in technology. It's the sort of thing that may not get uh, it, Wall Street excited until you see that those investments pay off in their ability to um, dramatically ramp up e-commerce and also um, the curbside pickup program, which they yeah. basically created in, I think, three days. I mean, it was some ridiculous amount of time, which a program which did not exist at all, they rolled it out in two or three days. And all credit to CEO yeah. Lauren Hobart. Think about what team. that takes, Chris. I mean, if you think about what that takes, like three days, okay, yeah, great. They're bringing my fisherman friend to the car, but they're basically converting their stores into drop site warehouses in no time. It's, it's really incredible, and it goes to show both how important 
great CEOs, visionary leadership, and a great corporate culture is because that doesn't happen that successfully at a company that's ramping up from nearly absolute zero unless they have they have contingency plans in place and they you know and they're all kind of pushing in the same direction it really is amazing what they have done and and unfortunately for me dick sporting goods is a company that i have underestimated for 20 years now i mean we 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 had we 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 had colleagues in 2001 saying Man, Dix is a pretty good company, and so I can't I can't really claim too much brilliance behind you know but behind my own uh, ignor- uh, ignoring Dix for too long of a period of time. But this is this is about as good as it gets for 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 a retailer and just sensational results. Yeah, and it's you know it's I said this uh, yesterday when Asa Sharma and I were talking about Best Buy, um, not that Dix Sporting Goods was on the ropes a decade ago like Best Buy was. Um, but they have had periods where they have struggled as a business and the stock mm-hmm. has as well. But you know, this is, it's businesses like Best Buy and Dick's Sporting Good, along with the, you know, the Targets and the Walmarts of the world that, that basically provide no excuses for other retailers. It's like, no, there is a way to succeed if you're not named Amazon. There is a way to succeed and reward shareholders. And uh, you, you just got to make the investment. Yeah. So Lauren Hobart is the CEO of, of Dick Sporting Goods, and she's 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 sensational. Best Buy. I would have I would have thought if you were to have listed let's let's call it 2014. If you were to have listed the ten retailers that were most at risk of being Amazon, and we're going to verb Amazon now, Dick's and Best Buy were definitely on the list. Best Buy would have been higher on the list, don't you Best think? Best Buy would have been higher on the list, but just fantastic, fantastic shifting to a competitive threat that for a lot of companies have have, have turned out to be terminal, and these and these companies are now thriving. Well, lest anyone think this whole show is going to be sunshine and rainbows, we have one more story to get to. Uh, We've got to talk Nordstrom, don't we? <laughs> we do. Uh, two, two quick uh, programming notes. One, um, this is a short week for us, uh, so we're off tomorrow. We'll be back on Monday. Second, our email address is marketfoolery@fool.com from Ben Carnes. Ben Carnes with a question that um, several people have uh, written in with over the past couple of months. Ben writing, did Bill Barker leave the fool? He's been missed on the podcast. I appreciate that, Ben. I've missed having Bill Bark on the podcast. I know that not everyone has missed having Bill Bark on the podcast. And the reason I say that, I, I, I know that, is because uh, I, I read all the email. Um, but uh, no, Bill has not left the fool um, without uh, pulling back the curtain too much. Uh, Bill, uh, as I think a lot of people know, works on the regulated side of the Motley Fool's business. And uh, conversations are happening regarding the regulated part of the business and the publishing part of the business and uh, all the parts therein. So, uh, so hopefully, hopefully, before not too long, Bill Barker will make his return. to. I mean, for Fuller. some of us, hopefully. Hopefully, yes. For for others, you, you you've you've just been warned. That's right. <laughs> for for others, this is a more uh, m- more roses and positive story. No, yeah. Bill, Bill, Bill is Bill Bill has incredible insights. He's he, he's he's the quickest mind I know. Like full stop. 
You're pretty quick, Chris, but... I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> as, as you mentioned, we, we got to talk about Nordstrom because Nordstrom is like the opposite of Dick's Sporting Goods today. Shares are down more than 16%, and you can forget about the second quarter profits coming in higher than expected, which they did, and they raised guidance for the full fiscal year, and nobody cares because Nordstrom's second quarter sales were lower than they were two years ago. And we didn't talk about this with Dick's, but I mean, part, part of what was so great about um, Dick's Sporting Goods is their second quarter sales, I believe I have this number right, they were up 45% compared to two years ago. And Nordstrom, you know, whatever expectations um, uh, people had going into the quarter, they're still putting up numbers lower than before the pandemic. It's... It, it's unbelievable to me because if you think in a period of time in which, I mean, obviously early 2020 was a, was an anomaly, but a lot of people, a lot of people in Nordstrom's target market are feeling wealthy now. How how are they not winning? How is Nordstrom not winning? And this, I mean, it truly makes me sad because because they are a company that's all about customer service. This really should be the best of environments for a company like Nordstrom. I mean, compared to compare it to Dick's, Nordstrom is not a company that I would have thought would have been disrupted because it's, you know, it's clothing, it's a lot of things that that are that are tactile, that are easier to buy uh, in person. But Nordstrom down six percent, the only big company, big retailer with lower with with lower sales growth or faster sales decline is Victoria's Secret. Yeah, TJX, Ross Stores, Home Depot, Target up much higher over 2019. And when I try to be optimistic about Nordstrom, I think in terms of like, okay, well, what what levers can they pull? What you know, how can they turn this business around? Um, it's it's not like uh, this is a business that has radically overexpanded its store count. Um, you know, so it's not Sears either, though, Chris. Like, it's not a company that you look at and 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 you walk in, you're like, this has this has the smell of death, and this looks like this looks like an irrelevance. So this is um, essentially a family-run business. Still, I mean, the the Nordstrom family is so heavily involved in the leadership and the running of this business. Uh, and there have been times, particularly over the last five years, where they have talked openly about wanting to sell the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may not get the price they want, but it, uh, I, I'm left to, to no other conclusion than someone. If, if this business is going to be fixed, it's going to be someone other than the Nordstrom family to do it's it. It's time, isn't it? It's time. Yeah, I think that, you know, it. it some of the things that they talked about in the conference call were, were some of the very classic Nordstrom levers that they would pull. That you know they were focusing on execution, focusing on focusing on the customer experience, focusing on their most dedicated customers. But th- you're just talking about a degree. There is no innovation in those levers that they're pulling, and unfortunately for J.W. Nordstrom. 
they either need those levers pulled or this company needs to go private in some way so it continued to be a trust of the Nordstrom family because at the moment it is a it is a mismanaged publicly traded company and it's sad to say I said that a minute ago because Nordstrom is a special retailer I think they are and it's not it's not one of those businesses that you you would walk in and you would, you know, as you said about Sears, you would not walk into a Nordstrom and automatically think, oh, this place is in trouble. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. We'll it see. feels good in there. There's just, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we'll see. Maybe by the end of the year, Santa can bring them something like, uh, you know, being taken private. Like a, private, <laughs> like a venture capitalist. What do you want for Christmas? Oh, I'd like a venture capitalist. <laughs> yes. I want Bain Capital under I the want- tree. <laughs> Yeah, makes me sad to say it, but I think that that's that 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 is the most likely positive move for for Nordstrom as a company to make from here. Bill, man, great talking to you. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.